The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. Today's guest is a true Renaissance woman and potentially the only person I think may have hacked more than 24 hours in each day based on what I've seen her accomplish. Jessica Alba is a Golden Globe nominated actress having made over 25 feature films which have earned a combined box office total of over $800 million. Most recently, Jessica and Gabrielle Union starred in and executive produced Ellie's Finest, a one-hour action-packed drama series which premiered its second season in June. She is also the founder of The Honest Company and Honest Beauty. Founded in 2012, The Honest Company is a mission-driven consumer products company dedicated to empowering people to live happy and healthy lives. And I loved sitting down with her to talk honestly, see what I did there, about how she applies that ethos to her own life as a busy entrepreneur, creative, and mom of three. The best thing about her isn't that she's drop dead gorgeous, which she is, but that she does keep it real about the struggles along the way, but how she remains focused on never letting those challenges define her. I love talking to her and I hope you guys enjoy as well. So how are you doing or how are you really? I'm good. You know, I think we're all sort of, I guess, reevaluating or reassessing what does this new normal look like? And Mm -hmm. based off of, I think, all of our experience last year in having to force to reflect, right, on your life choices, I'm wrestling with how much of that home life that I feel like, to be honest, I really neglected when I was so focused on on career and work. And that really consumed me and Cash, my husband. And maybe we didn't spend as much time prioritizing the kids. You know, we do take weekends off, but I don't know, my kids are getting to the age where that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out like, what are the days that we're just like, no matter what, we're going to be home for family dinner during the week and we're all going to eat together? And what are the mornings where we're going to like, who's taking who to school? And even just that conversation, even just that 15 minutes in the car, how does it set your day up and their day up? Especially when you have three people to put in the car. I mean, do they all go to the same school? The baby does not. <laughs> he doesn't get, he has an imaginary friend. <laughs> he, he stays home. <laughs> well, you two, like, Poor honestly, <laughs> like, because Ian and I always talk about this. We're at that good place. Like, the kids are six and eight. Nobody's in yeah. diapers. We're yeah. like, kind of like, okay, we can make moves. And we're like, do we double down? Do we go for it again? And with your little one, it's like, you're kind of like, you climb up the ladder and then you're like, boom, 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 right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because he was the only one we planned. I think when you go in eyes wide open, then everyone is sort of like ready for it. And then it's exciting. It didn't seem like we were going backwards or like, God, the sleepless nights and the diaper. Like, actually, I wish I was still in a way in that Mm -hmm. because 
that is like the sweetest time. Oh my God. And dealing with like a teen, like honor's going to be 13. I in can't. Like two weeks. And, and like dealing with that stuff. And then Haven, who's like in this pre teen almost transition, she's going to be double digits in the end of summer. And like that is a thing. And then just like the girl stuff and the hormone. I don't girl know. It's stuff just like, is intense, right? Like, it sucks. <laughs> girl stuff is really intense. But I think that that's the other thing too that's really lucky for you is you have two older girls who, correct me if I'm wrong, but like are more inclined to be little mamalas themselves and help you versus if you had two older boys, they'd be like, eh, you're on your own. I don't know. I, I think that that's- Are they over it? No, I mean, I think that stereotype that girls are more maternal and boys aren't, I think it's more about like birth order Mm -hmm. than anything. You know, some kids are more empathetic and caretakers and some kids aren't. And so I think it's more that, but certainly I've seen a pattern that the second child, if there are three, the second child is the one that ends up having more empathy and being more of a caretaker where the first kid is always sort of like, I should have been the only one here. Like, what yeah. is going on with these other two fools? <laughs> like, and then combine that with turning 13 and just like, yeah, were yeah. you crazy as a 13 year old? Do you remember that time? I mean, I was like fully acting. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. You were like a professional at 13. I was working and I was an alien. I did not have any version of a normal childhood or and even prior to acting, but it is weird. And I, and I wasn't famous. Like I wasn't like recognized or famous. I was just literally like in the grind working actor trying to get that check, you know, living, you know, sort of like you're as good as your last job and just trying to like get jobs that would hire me for longer periods of time. And then, you know, I guess star on a TV show or whatever that was. Yeah. So you didn't even get to have that normal kind of bratty time because you were like worrying about providing and and contributing, right? I was definitely knew that like my mom had to give up, Mm -hmm. you know, working. And so I was the income that my parents needed. So if I wanted to continue to act, I needed to work and I needed to make money. Uh, Otherwise, my parents couldn't afford just one provider. We were in a two-income household. So yeah, I had a different pressure. I would say I put it on myself, but then at the same time, you're like, it's kind of a lot to put on a 13-year-old. It's a lot of responsibility. Do you have more empathy now seeing honor and realizing that that was the age where you felt internally all that pressure? It's really wild. You know, I think the way I parent and a lot of it comes from probably my reaction to my childhood Mm -hmm. and wanting to create a different space for my kids than I had and wanting them to have a safety net maybe and also just the freedom to just sort of like be Mm -hmm. and to just be hormonal and just be temperamental and just find the voice and I guess and just exist. I mean, there's so much, what a luxury to just like be able to just exist and not have the pressure of anything else and and to figure out how you're going to move through the world and be. And also like I would say with homework, it's, it's interesting because my homework and all of that was so tied to or attached to like grades mm-hmm. and getting my work permit. Cause I needed to have like a certain grade point average in order to get a work permit. And so 
it was so transactional where with honor, it's really like attached to the kind of person she wants to be and how she wants to show up for herself, not even for others, but for herself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just such a different spin on it. It's cool. It's cool to like almost, I, I wouldn't say live vicariously through your kids. Cause that feels like unhealthy and kind of fucked up, but I would say to be able to start over and to learn from your past to inform, I guess, how you bring up these little people. And, and like, I mess up a lot, you know, being so vulnerable is a new thing for me because I'm sure you have found this in your life that in order for you to be successful in life, you've had to create such a shell and such a hardness to be able to push through and be successful where with kids, they want no part of that. Like you're only good to them if you can show them the cracks and you can show them your vulnerability and and be really like present and human with them. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in what you just said, right? We're all informed by our own upbringing to try to make things different for our kids. And then with that will come its own pressures. Like your kids have you on this pedestal in terms of everything that you've accomplished as well. And that's almost like the opposite issue, but its own thing that they'll have to deal with. And then as far as like being vulnerable, I don't feel like I ever even felt feelings before my kids came into my life. (laughs) And now I want to turn my feelings off because all I do is feel feelings and I don't want to feel any more feelings. It's exhausting, right? It's exhausting. Wait, tell me something fun. What was the last lie that you told? Oh, I'm sure. I I mean, I feel like I lie to Hayes every day Mm -hmm. too. Your little to, guy. Like, he's three. He's not a baby, but I call him a baby. It's fine. But I definitely lie to him. Where If he doesn't wear a seatbelt, I'm like, the police are coming. Mm-hmm. They're going to get you. And yeah, so they're going to take me gets, in. <laughs> and if he doesn't wear his mask, I'm like, the police are coming. They're right there, Hayes. <laughs> then he's like, puts it up. <laughs> That's so hard to be that little, though, and even understand why he's wearing a mask. Yeah, I don't think he understands it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do say, you know, because people are sick and they can get sick. He's actually had his first runny nose this week. Mm-hmm. It's also weird because they've been in such a bubble that, like, the kids haven't been sick for, like, oh, I know. Anybody a, a have year you been and a sick? Half. I got Cash gave me a little bit of like a, a cold that mm-hmm. I had for like two days or a day. I, I felt like mm, maybe I need to sleep a little longer and like a little bit of a sore throat, but mm-hmm. that's kind of it. When you're living in such a bubble, I, I don't think it's good. I think kids should be sick and exposed to stuff. Yeah. I think it's adrenaline too. Like we haven't, for the first year, we were just like petrified of getting sick. And if I felt like the beginning of anything, it was like pounding wellness formula. Yeah. And vitamin D and vitamin totally. C. Totally. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, you know, we all know about how much we feel that we've lost during the last year, but what do you feel that you have gained? Hmm. I think I, I'm more content. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of self-reflection on my own sort of like mental health. And I think that was something that I always put on the back burner when you're sort of forced to deal with it. And I think I I felt really forced to deal with it because my kids, you know, I could see 
them dealing with the isolation in different ways. I could see our family dynamic shifting the fear, the unknown, you know, all that stuff. And then just the straight up, there is no one else Mm -hmm. but each other and finding our routines and finding our happiness and our joy, but then also getting on each other's nerves. And, you know, I did a lot more meditation. I've read a lot more about crystal healing and Ayurveda Mm -hmm. and Buddhism and just sort of like different things and different generations, how, like what peace, what content, what love channeling light and love and, and what that meant for indigenous people. I mean, I really kind of like went in and it's put me in a place where I feel like you can, I guess, sort of learn from the past and, and it just to give context as to why things have happened. But there's something about being completely present in this now moment. And there's so, there's so much we could do that's better. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of people. Um, it takes a few people that have the courage to fight for the things that are just right and to channel the goodness in themselves. And that will actually really permeate into the world around you. And I think for me, putting my energy there mm-hmm. just makes me feel hopeful instead of hopeless. Right. Which is the most powerful place to be. I think being hopeless is debilitating in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and I think, you know, there's plenty of times in my life where I felt hopeless and there's plenty of times in my life where I felt defeated and I felt unworthy. And, um, and I go through phases, right. It's up, it's ups and downs where I'm still constantly sort of working on myself and my own confidence and, and all of those things. But I would say if more days are good than bad and I, and I can hang on to that. And just knowing that if the day feels like it's sort of like not going as planned, I know that tomorrow will, will come hopefully. And if we get the gift of tomorrow, then hang on to that and know that, you know, time heals. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about the notion of having it all. Is that something that you subscribe to? And if so, what did you think that it would look like? Having it all, I think, is more of a, a mental state for what is right for you in this moment and understanding your journey and owning your journey. I think I used to really feel maybe weighed down. And I was so afraid that my the challenges I faced in life would define me. And I think coming out of so many challenges over the years, I realize now that they're just lessons and you almost put yourself in so many situations just so you can get better and learn from them. And having it all is, I think, having the perspective that your journey is yours and and it's what you're meant to be going through right now. And you actually gain the most when you're going through difficult things in a lot of ways, because that's what you need to go through. And when things open up and you feel more of that freedom, that's also what you should be going through. But I think just owning your journey is having it all. I think the opposite of having it all is looking at other people's journey and thinking that that should be yours. Mm -hmm. Facts, big facts. 
We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something that we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. What you won't find are sugar GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. Little rituals create big changes, and I know that first and foremost with what I put into my body. Using Ritual allows me to make sure that I'm getting all of my nutrients without having to worry about the fuss of stopping and picking up vitamins. They're delivered right to my doorstep. It is so easy, they're created by women, and they're traceable and evidence-based. Ritual is designed with your life stage in mind and is now available for women, men, and teen, and the multivitamins are scientifically developed to support all of the different life stages. So get key nutrients without the BS. And I'm very excited because Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off for your first three months. So make sure, and I'll do a swipe up, but make sure, visit ritual.com forward slash other lies to start your ritual today. One thing that we talk about is the idea of designing a life that fits you sort of like what you just said and not the other way around. Everybody is on their own journey, but did you have an idea? I mean, you've had such a crazy run from acting as a kid to building this huge company, which by the way, you just took public congratulations <laughs> to you. being the only person I know in my age group who can like competently TikTok. <laughs> did you like, did you have a notion for like, could I you mean, have ever <laughs> dreamt this life or like what, you know, like you have like zigged and zagged in like all yeah. these really incredible, beautiful ways. Like, did you have a model for this or? I think I just, you know what, to be quite honest, I've never looked left or right. I never looked at other people and thought, man, they really have it all. Mm -hmm. I never cared about other people's stuff because it wasn't mine. And I can never compare myself to someone else's life or journey because I just wasn't born in, into that circumstance. When you're born sort of like in the circumstance that you're born into, that's completely out of your control. It's pointless to kind of look at other people's life. And I think it's it's naive to think that your journey should be theirs if you just look at like where they came from, how they came up, how they got through what they got through, or just simply like how easy it may have been for them to get to where they're at and how that could never be you. For me, my life has zigged and zagged for sure. And I started working very young. And I would say I have always been an odd ball. And I have always sort of been very, uh, I guess it would be sort of like rogue. I think I, I didn't really find my tribe until I was grown. And it, it was a lonely journey for a long time. But I, I, yeah, I think I attribute my life outcome to me never looking at other people's and thinking that that was in any way, shape or form something that I deserved to have, I wanted or desired. I really just always felt like I was going to write my own story and it was just going to be mine. Right. It's it's funny too, because the reason I asked that is because some people say as far as setting examples and inspiring people that you can't be what you can't see, right? And until people see that there are options ahead of them, they might not know. And then also see what you're saying a lot, which is that that wasn't a reality for you. You kept the blinders on and you just kept moving forward and doing you. Yeah, I think it wasn't necessarily the blinders on. I actually think I just saw it all, mm -hmm. but I never desired 
something that wasn't possible for me. Because if I looked up, the only people that were living the life that looked like something that seemed better were white dudes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a white dude. That (laughs) you you are not. And so it was just like... You're a great actress, but even you can't pull that off. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, then I just have to like pave my own way, man, because Mm -hmm. why not me? And there's enough of them and they they got it. The world's their oyster. And so not necessarily that I felt like, oh, I I want that life, but just that it felt like it was just so much easier for good and contentment and peace and abundance can happen for people that were white too. (laughs) Right. right. When you don't see yourself, then does that mean that I shouldn't be there or that I don't deserve it? No, No. it just means that I I just have to just see what's out there, see the reality of the situation and keep it moving. Yeah. And it's kind of like actually Tati wore this sweatshirt today that someone sent that it's a lot of like the Kamala Harris, but it's like the first, but not the last. Now from here to forth, it's like, there will be people who look to you and to your story. And I I think that's definitely part of, it sort of like hurt me a little bit when you said your kids are going to like look up to you or, or like maybe you made it too hard for them or something. But I hope that that they never compare themselves to me. And I'm filled with flaws. And I hope to God that they're better than me. I mean, I tell them every day, like, I work so hard so that you will be better than me. And whenever I screw up, I tell them, like, I'm sorry, but hopefully you can learn from this lesson. This is not how you want to do things or say things or be. I'm hopefully that lesson for you to be better. So I do try to ground them in knowing their own, you know, truth and channeling their own light and their own path. But for others, Mexican kids out there in this country who are told that they don't deserve to have that seat or they don't deserve to be treated the same way just because of the nature of the way the world is set up, you know, no more, you know, yeah, you do deserve to have all the same hopes and dreams as anyone else. And it is easier to feel like you deserve it when you see others. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. That is true. I just didn't have that. And so I had no other choice, but I do feel like it's my duty to not just open that door and take my seat, but certainly keep it open, man, and, and make room for others. Yeah. And by the I did not mean anything in terms of your kids, like feeling that they weren't able to live up to it, but more that just like, and the beauty of what you've done too, is like, they're along for a lot of the ride. Do you know what I mean? Especially yeah, the girls have seen <laughs> the growing pains. Like they have yeah. seen all your like blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. So building your company, I mean, was there ever, cause you've had so much success as an actress. Was there ever anything where you were like, I don't want to feel like I am not building other opportunities for myself. Because I, I know, obviously, the story behind coming up with the sort of ethos for Honest and, and what happened that made you want to build that brand. But from the other perspective, were you like, I want other opportunities for my life? Or what was that like? Maybe that was something subconsciously that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was so young, right? I was like 27 or 28 when I had the idea for it. So no, I, I really didn't think that there needed to be a different path for me. I mean, I, I would say 
I love entertainment so much and I love storytelling and I think it's so powerful. And so for me, I, I think if I was thinking of diversifying my options in Hollywood, it would probably be more in the zone of like directing and producing mm-hmm. if, if that was a concern at that age that like, you know, I should not just be an actress for hire kind of thing. Right. But yeah, that wasn't really where my head was at, to right. be honest. Which, but, which is so cool. It really was like, this just needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Period. And I, and I know how to, I learned a lot about marketing, just being a product of marketing for other brands and, and studios and, and IP on a global scale. And so I, I really leaned and, and leveraged a lot of, of that knowledge when I was building Honest. Now I feel like we're hopefully moving away from this, the kind of idea that you have to stay in one lane. From our parents' generation, it's like, honestly, they started doing something and many of them are probably still doing the same thing. And like now everyone has a side hustle and this is going on and, you know, 50,000 things, which I think is really beautiful because you can't necessarily encapsulate all parts of your interests or your happiness with one kind of path. But, you know, you said earlier, I think you described yourself as, did you say rogue? But like, you were kind of a pioneer there too. Like, you were the first of a lot of people building out this whole other side of their professional life. And I wonder, did you feel like you came up against any resistance when you tried that? Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was doing something that had never been done before. Mm -hmm. The business model was was very new and it I really took uh, something that was considered a commodity and I created a branded lifestyle around it in a lot of ways, these types of, of products and, and things. Because to me, it was more about the holistic perspective and the lifestyle. And then how do you get there to that healthier outcome is around empowering people with education community. You know, that's like the big one. And then unlocking it for them with with providing the solution. And, and, and by me doing it um, and showing that it can be done, hopefully it would influence the marketplace to be better and to think about human health differently and, and the planet. Right. So for me, that was always like the kind of the thing that I was going after. And when you say that in a room and you're trying to raise a couple million bucks for seed funding into this idea, and you're talking about something that's so big and global, they look at you sideways <laughs> and they're like, huh? Yeah. So yeah, I got a lot of like, right. Yeah, I, I guess I, I had to get really honest with myself about what I was good at and where, um, no pun you know, intended. <laughs> yeah. And then where I didn't, where I guess my, my weaknesses were, where I didn't have strengths and surrounding myself with people that had strengths in different areas than I had so that we can complement each other. And, and it's changed over time. Mm-hmm. But yes, there's been lots of people that have looked at me sideways and have told me there's no way and, you know, laughed me out of rooms and were very condescending. And, and I still deal with it. Even at this stage, there's different layers and different levels depending on what context they're looking at you. And you just have to kind of like brush it off, man, and keep it moving and stay focused on what you're doing, especially when you know what you're doing is for the greater good, you know? 
I think that's so helpful for people to hear because obviously you have built this company that's had such enormous success and really was on the pioneering track of changing the narrative around advocating for your own health, making better choices within your home, for your family, for your personal care. And then to hear that you came up against such resistance, I think is a good reminder for anyone out there who's trying to build something and feeling defeated in any way, you know, is that you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think you quickly realize if you can get derailed, you quickly realize that maybe you're not approaching it the the right way, or maybe this journey is not about you creating that solution, but it's about something else for you on your journey. It forces you to really understand the truth of what you're doing when you're faced with challenges at every stage, I would say. Right. And be reminded of your intention. Yeah. I remember early days because You launched Honest, I guess, 2012, right? Which is when I had my first daughter, my first child. And I remember running into you and it was sort of newer and you were like, I want Tati to be an honest baby. And I was like, (laughs) done. I don't know what that means. But you were like, you know, come in and like take some pictures. And I was like so happy just to have professional photos taken of her. And then she was on the wipes and on diapers forever. (laughs) And I remember when we came to the honest offices, she was like in a picture and yeah, on our packaging. Oh my God. I would just stand in Whole Foods and be like, so proud. Just kind (laughs) of like standing near the aisle and be like, yep, that's my kid. That's my daughter. (laughs) And then I don't even know if I told you this, but remember we did one of your early day commercials and yeah, I, I have a funny do. picture of you guys from that, but like felt like, you know, really honored that we were part of the whole early days. It's so fun. And then to see obviously how huge this has become is wild. You know, you mentioned this a little bit, but like, what do you think were the biggest kind of takeaways for you? Because starting a company, and like you said, you have this ethos of what you want to do and you have a mission, but we all know that like the nitty gritty of running a company and building a business is so much more than that. And like, which parts did you find you really responded to? And which parts were you like, I want nothing to do with this? Or like, you can keep it. I would say that I really love thinking of the consumer and the consumer's experience with the brand from beginning to end. So whether it's with the product with receiving, you know, in the mail, with the messaging online, interfacing with us um, on a PDP, or, or which is like your product display page. I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, PDP. sorry. <laughs> um, or it's a any little sort inside of inter- baseball for me. <laughs> sorry. Or or any interaction on social. Like I love thinking of how different consumers in their life stage, how they are intertwined or, or, or part of their everyday life or how we could be if we, if we aren't already. And so that to me is what I love. I think what is uh, draining is I think considering everyone's professional development journey and creating operational process that energizes people every day at every level. Mm-hmm. And that is something that takes so much. It's precision and it's such a gift for people that get energized by managing people 
and their professional development journey. And it takes an army, I think, of, of leaders to do that well, but you certainly need to have like one or two sort of at the top that can figure that out. That to me is hard. That's, that's what for me in, in, in business, because you have to know that like everyone's showing up to work with their childhood, their, you know, education, their expectations of who they want to be, their family's expectations of who they should be, their friends' expectations, society's expectations. And then are they really getting out of work and, and where they're spending their time at work? what they need that you can provide for them. But I would say that I do love the human connection. I would say overseeing process and operations of people development and productivity and it being tied to your growth as a business. And that to me is is really training. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really well, draining. You know, you mentioned this earlier, and I think that it's sort of in a way, first of all, there's a lot of pressure because people equate a lot with what they're doing professionally, right? Like it's become so glamorized too, where for a lot of people, it used to be a means to an end. It was to provide for the family. You know, and I'm not saying that they didn't need to be spiritually also fulfilled by it, but the level that we want everything in our lives now to fulfill us, whether it's your relationships or your marriage or your job. Like, is that even attainable? But also, you're a mother to not one, not two, but three children who are also less maybe systems, but they need a lot from you as well. They do. And my friendships and my parents and, oh, and my your family and my husband, you know, all of it is so fragile too. Everyone is so fragile. We all are. And we're all, you know, on the brink of it being the best day ever and the worst day ever. Simultaneous. Feels, it's yeah, a tight it's, rope. It's a tight rope. <laughs> Right? Like when you wake up, it's like, you, which, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And, and something can, in a second, take oh you my this God. way or that way. Yes. Well, okay. So I know through our friendship that like, not only do you have these kids, but you feel like you're someone who does like crafty things. You know, you actually <laughs> cook food and you do a lot of like cool things with your kids. And I feel like for myself as someone who I'm not a great cook and I'm not like particularly like I'm not I'm not a crafty mom. I like don't go to Michael's and like do fun activities like that. And I wish that like with other people, I could say about you, well, like she has more time than I have. She's not really working, so she can lean into that. But you're not. So it's like, <laughs> is there something you can tell me? Like, are you terribly mean behind closed doors or like something that would make <laughs> me feel better? I think the cooking or or doing activities with the kids or some, I'm, a lot of it comes from the fact that I'm like, I get restless. Like mm -hmm. I have a, I'm very creative and I, and I always need to like do things something. I, I actually have a hard time just like shutting it off and just sort of like being, you know? And so that's what I try to work on when it comes to the kids. 
I'm more excited about this idea, this notion of how can I create memories? Because like we're we only have what six more summers with honor, you oh know. God, and that's so, so sad when you put it that way. You know, it's like really mm-hmm. sad, and when you think about how fast time flies, like I don't know. I I just think about like how can I create memories that they're gonna hold on to, and hopefully better ones than worse and trying to have more good days, like I said, than bad. But I would say that my kids probably really wish that we could just like veg out and like watch TV all weekend and not plan things and just eat packaged foods. And, you know, they just want to have soda pop and chips right? and watch, you know, dumb shows. They're like, I don't want to do this. They don't want to do Yeah. <laughs> and then in the end, like after I'm, you know, it's like pulling teeth. I'm like, let's go out of water. Let's do a picnic or let's da, 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 da. Um, and they're just like, God, mom, we just want to just do nothing. I'm so tired. So the, the, I think, you know, for them, they wish that I was probably not trying to do the most all the time. They do tell me that too. <laughs> they're like, do, mom, they're do like, less. They're like, please, they're like, it's, you're annoying. You always have to be doing something. But I think it's also because I probably have a hard time sitting alone and sitting with myself and Mm -hmm. just being, because maybe I have to deal with my own self-reflection that I'm trying to run away from. Mm, Right. Like, and my, my own stuff that I don't want to deal with. And so if I just fill the days with so many things, it's easy to craft. Put mm-hmm. that off. Yeah, I get that. And then deal with the real shit that matters, you know? So I think it goes both ways. It's uh, creative you, avoidance. Yeah, I mean, you probably only see one piece of it, but you don't probably... There's there's another side, right? No. There's, there's yes. always that other side. There is that other side. Wait, so how long have you been married now? I have been married for 13 years, and Cash and I have been together for 17. And what do you think is the secret? Because like you said, you're sustaining a lot of people. Yeah. I would say that when you both decide every day that you're, it's worth doing it. Mm-hmm. If one is checked out or gives up, it's not going to happen. But if you're both like, yeah, we're bo- we both want this to continue. If you're both in, then you're going to figure it out. Then nothing is insurmountable. But the second one of you is checked out, then good luck. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a secret. I think it's just about your your choices and whether you think it's worth it. Okay. Now, I recently read that your daughter walked in on you guys, right? And you shared this. <laughs> Did has this has this like gone by the waist? Because oh, this is like my biggest nightmare. Realized. It's awful. Are we still talking about it, or is it just like under the rug? We've spoke about it. I think it festered in the air of the house for a good maybe month of mm-hmm. reminder mm-hmm. of like, huh, remember when that happened? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, but Haven quickly was like, I can never get that out of my head. Right. And then Honor is like, A, you can never get that out of, out of your head. But now that you told me about it, now she you're can't get it out of that, her head. You're trying to tell me that that's in my head. And so stop talking about it. Right. But um, it, it just, they knock. Now. They knock now. Well, they the reason now. is, is when I read that, I was like, you know what? I think that that's awful. such a good reminder of 
because you said now she knocks and there's something now about that where it's like look chick you learned your lesson because yep. the intersection of identities that is is something that I think is what we struggle with right it's like you're a mom but you're also a wife but you're also creative you're also a business owner you're also this you're a daughter blah, 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 blah. so we're trying to be so many different things and wear so many different hats you know we talk about the like idea of like having it all but we're also trying to be it all, do it all. And that can leave you feeling really depleted. And I wonder for you, what do you do to sustain yourself so that you're like able to kind of pour from a full glass? I try to take little moments where I can to just like meditate, take a bath. Even if it's too late at night, I'll just run a bath and I'll put a face mask on and force myself to sit in like salts with like some kind of like bubble bath and just sit there and I'll like listen to a podcast or I'll listen to a meditation or I'll have a little poetry book or a little something just like where it's not a lot. I don't feel like I need to like bite off more than I can chew, but I give myself like a 20 minute commitment and it usually will last a little bit longer it's sort of like where I think men like to sit on the toilet and be on their phone. For me, <laughs> yeah. my my alone time is sitting in the bathtub with a face mask on. Mm-hmm. Like with no phone, maybe. Um, sometimes I'll put my phone just to listen to something, but it's a passive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like I'm in, I'm like gaming or, mm-hmm. or doing crossword or or like chess scrolling, or, yeah, or scrolling a Instagram or no. What about taking victories? Okay, so. You know, the Honest Company went public in the last few weeks. And I wonder, do you ever allow yourself to just say, holy shit, I built this? Like, or like, (laughs) we got to do this and we got to do this. Like, can you sit back and just take a breath and be like, oh my God, Jessica, like, look what you have made. I think it's important for you to give yourself the space to breathe. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to do that and to be present in the moment because these moments fly by so quickly. It reminded me a lot of like, if I had a wedding day that I had planned for, it reminded Mm -hmm. me a lot of that. (laughs) You know, you put so much into this moment and you want to be completely present for it. And I would say like being surrounded by my kids um, and my husband really grounded me in that moment and allowed that moment to exist and for me to, yeah, take, take that breath that I normally don't allow myself to have and be okay. And it was really emotional. I think just like you can't shake the journey of of what it takes to get to that point and allowing myself to be vulnerable and be emotional was also a new thing that I don't normally associate with business. I have that vulnerability I usually reserve with my kids and things like that. So that was new and I definitely made space, but I would say my, my family made space for me and, and my friends for, for that to exist. So it has to be such a huge day. And like you said, if you kind of, if you don't take it in, uh, not that that one was going to pass you by, but that (laughs) just want to be able to sit with it. And like you say, you create a shell so that you can move through and create all this success. And then once you do, it's like you want to also remember that while we have to stay motivated, you want to 
take those victories along the way. Otherwise, what is the point of all the work? Yeah, I I kept getting bees, kept I kept like getting, actual bees buzzing like bees? real real buzzing bees. Like uh-huh. I was like for the last like I would say six or seven months, bees would just be like at my vanity when I'm washing my face and it's like 11 o'clock at night and I just see a bee. Or sometimes it did happen a lot where I have this like between 3.30 and 4.30 in the morning, I wake up with like, (gasps) and Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, drink water and go pee and TMI, I'm sorry, but like, you know, do that. And and you are human. I imagine you, (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and I'd see a bee just like sitting there in the corner of the bathroom or, uh, in my closet or. Did you look into the significance of what a bee represents? Yeah. And it, it's basically stop and smell the flowers. (laughs) And that's what it represents is like, we're worker bees. And you also need to remember to like take in the nectar and the honey. And it's not even like we have bees around the house. I actually planted in our yard plants and flowers uh, or plants that don't require or that where you don't need or, or don't attract a lot of bees because my husband is very allergic to bees and so is my mom. So it's wow. just random that bees would just find their way near me a lot, like in my closet. Yeah. And it just they just kept popping up. Maybe when you needed that reminder. And and they weren't dead. I mean, they would like be buzzing and sort of like on their back and then I'd put them outside or what have you, but they were just a, yeah, just a reminder. I mean, even yet, actually two days ago, I was sitting at breakfast with the kids and it was literally like, like here, like there was a bee like right here on the pillow at mm-hmm. breakfast, like not doing anything, just minding its own business. And I was like, oh, it's a bee, a bee, a bee is here. And I, you know put it outside, but you know, the kids are like, ah, you know, but I, at this point it's happened so many times, but yeah, I'm, you can't deny that. Like there I is cannot. symbolism and sometimes the universe sends you the things that you need to hear. All right. Yeah. Last question is how do you stay motivated whilst still taking stock of everything that you've already done? Staying motivated isn't hard <laughs> for me. Right. I'm that person, I guess. Uh, there's different personality types. I'm the person that's always driving forward. I think for me, it's more difficult to sort of stop, reassess, reevaluate, and then work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what this next chapter is for me. And being more, yeah, smarter, not harder, and also more intentional with like what really brings joy and not feeling like it needs to be such a grind and such a struggle every day doesn't need to be so heavy. And that a lot of that has to do with just like your outlook and and the way you want to tackle your life and your day. So that, I guess that's what this next chapter is for me. Yeah, to stop and smell those sweet honey, roses, (laughs) and everything. You're a Taurus too, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I have that too. Maybe it's just like loosen the reins. Yeah, yeah. Knowing what you know, what would your having it all look like to you today? I think it's making space for the things that matter most. I think sometimes I allow certain responsibilities to bulldoze through the rest of my life. And like you said, you can't have everything in one bucket. You can't have your career be your be all end all. You can't have your, your romantic relationship be your be all end all. You can't have your 
friendships be your be all end all. You can't have your relationships with your family or your kids be your be. You really need to disperse. Uh, you need to diversify <laughs> mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. your energy and your love in order for I think you to get what you need. But if one isn't there or isn't happening, then at least you have it dispersed in in other buckets. Um, And I feel like sometimes I've been so loaded in career and goals, or I get too loaded in kids and family, or I get too loaded in my relationship and it bulldozes through the rest of the cups. But I don't think balance is a thing, but I do think that if you can figure out how to fill yourself up with as many things that really truly bring you joy then it allows you to have a better sort of perspective and you can have a healthier approach to what that means to you. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. And I hope you enjoy all of your honey because you deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. Having It All in Other Lies is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow me on Instagram at Sarah underscore Riff and the show at Having It All Podcast. See you next week.